Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode number 196 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Christian Prody, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always, and we're back this week to kick off our summer scouting with previews of each conference heading into their 2021 seasons. We'll start, as we always do, with the Mid-American Conference, known to most as the MAC. Tony, we talked about some potential top draft picks last week, but this week, the focus is really going to be on day three of the draft. And that's the way it usually is with the Mac. I mean, occasionally they peek their head into day two, once in a blue moon, the first round, but it's primarily day three guys, even late day, day three guys. And as you're going to find out, uh, the only way they're getting to day three this year is if uh, the top juniors come out. And, you know, this is an interesting year because there were so many more seniors to be uh, graded and who are eligible for the draft because of the NCAA rule about uh, seniors uh, getting the extra year of eligibility. So you got your super seniors. So uh, it's going to be kind of like helter skelter when you really have to watch the film on all these guys, because you're watching at least two groups of seniors. As far as I'm concerned, I'm watching all the draftable guys. So there'll be plenty of guys to be graded this summer. And we'll get to this week's show in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsor. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchup, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And now it is time to take a closer look at the MAC, which had just four players drafted in April. A lot of it could be what Tony said about some seniors going back, taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility that the NCAA provided, because uh, usually we get a handful of more picks from the Mac, you know, nine, 10, something in that range. Uh, but obviously people going back didn't help. Also having a shortened season didn't help. And some of those teams that had a six game schedule played three or four games due to cancellation. So really it was just kind of a throwaway season for the Mac in almost every way. Even still, there were two second day picks. One of them being friend of the show, wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan to the Seattle Seahawks in round two. Buffalo defensive end Malcolm Kuntz was a surprise top 80 pick by the Las Vegas Raiders, the two other draft picks, Miami, Ohio offensive lineman Tommy Doyle and Eskridge's teammate, offensive lineman Jalen Moore, both on the third day. Tony, late year for the MAC. What exactly do you chalk it up to? And do you expect any sort of bounce back for 2022? Well, I, I think number one, a lot of their other seniors that could have been draftable uh, prospects or may have fallen to the late rounds of the draft decided to go back. We're going to talk about some of them uh, today. And, and I think really their best uh, prospects, NFL prospects, as we will talk about, were actually guys who were third-year sophomores who decided with the shortened year 
best that I go back for another year of uh, on the college field to develop my game with, as you said, you know, a, a, a season that was five, six games. And a lot of these teams, a lot of programs that qualified for bowl games chose not to participate in them. Now, we will start here with Ball State. We're not going to hit on every team, just the ones that have relevant NFL talent, whether it's priority free agents or draftable prospects. So we'll start with Ball State. First bowl appearance last year since 2013. Their first bowl win ever in last year's Arizona Bowl. Definitely a surprise season from the Cardinals. They've had three NFL draft picks the past decade. None of them came in 2021, and none of them are likely to come in 2022. But there are several guys we've discussed over the past few seasons, many of whom did take that extra year of eligibility afforded by the NCAA due to COVID-19. Again, you've heard it a couple times so far, and it is a theme you'll hear throughout this show. Christian Albright, stand-up linebacker for the Cardinals. He's been productive as a pass rusher, 24 and a half tackles for loss, 12 sacks the past three seasons, and previously was productive as a pursuit linebacker in 2018 and 2019 with 138 tackles. Bryce Cosby is a tough undersized safety, one of the top tacklers on the team over the past four seasons. Cornerback Omechi Uzodoma is the lone fourth-year senior among the Cardinals' top prospects. We said last year that he could be an early day three pick if he continued to improve but took a step back at five interceptions in 2019. Just one last year does have solid size and length though. Probably the most potential upside among this group of ball state prospects just needs to step up his game a bit in 2021. And then quarterback drew Plitt, 41 touchdown passes the last two seasons. One of the top quarterbacks in the Mac, not a big arm QB or a plus athlete, but he does get the job done between the numbers. Tony, take us through your thoughts on ball state's 2022 draft prospects. Yeah, I like Ball State as a team. In fact, I think they're going to compete uh, to win another MAC title. But the thing is, their their top prospects are lacking in the physical skills, or their top players, I should say, are lacking in the physical skills to be you know draftable prospects. You mentioned Christian Albright. This is a guy we've talked about the past two summers. Uh, I thought he was real good as a four three outside linebacker. He's done some good things in the Ball State three four alignment, rushing the passer. But he's 6'1", 230 pounds. I mean, maybe he plays in a high four sevens. A real good football player who's just not a great athlete. Ditto for Bryce uh, Cosby. I mean, he's a guy who is consistently flying around the football, making plays against the run, solid against the pass, 5'10", 176 pounds. Maybe he runs in the mid four fives. Uh, Amichi Izumadima, the cornerback, I thought he took a step back last year. He's got suspect speed. I like Drew Plitt as a quarterback. I mean, he's smart. He's accurate. He does a great job running the Ball State offense. He's always in command of the situation. You mentioned his touchdown numbers. He does a good job with his uh, his pass placement, but he doesn't have an arm. I mean, he really can't fling the ball downfield. His downfield passes, the receivers are slowing up in their routes. He's 6'1", 207 pounds, and he's not a real mobile guy. He's not an RPO-type quarterback which is what you want in a guy that's 6'1", 207 pounds. They do have a receiver in Justin Hall that is getting some late-round consideration from scouts. I have him as an undrafted free agent, more of a smaller, quicker guy who can double as a return specialist, maybe run some reverses, but really doesn't have uh, the deep speed. Again, good football players, but not great athletes, and that's really not a big commodity come draft weekend. Doesn't mean these guys won't make NFL rosters as backups. Just means that they likely won't get drafted. Now on to Buffalo, their second straight bowl victory this past season. Defensive end Malcolm Kuntz was the lone draft pick 
He went to Las Vegas in round three, as mentioned before. The Bulls could have another draft pick. The last time they went back-to-back was 2013 through 2015, actually went three straight years. But linebacker Gaddafi Wright is their top 2022 prospect. Another player returning with extra eligibility. He's a good athlete, limited production on the stat sheet, though, except in pass coverage. Seven pass breakups this past season. And as we know, the NFL teams, they love linebackers who can make plays in pursuit and cover, which certainly gives Wright a shot at the end of the draft. Safety Tyrone Hill is among the team's top tacklers the past few seasons. Just not a player who screams NFL draft pick in terms of what Tony was just saying, athleticism and upside. Fellow safety EJ Brown, though, sat out 2019 after transferring from West Virginia. Didn't produce a ton last season, but he is more athletic than his teammate. Break down the bulls for us, Tony. Yeah, Gaddafi Wright is last year, when uh, coming into his senior season of 2020, was graded as a street-free agent by scouts. Now some scouts have him as a priority free agent. I have this guy as a six-rounder. I mean, you watch number 31 on film for Buffalo. He is all over the field. Six, three and a half, 225 pounds, plays in the four sixes. You mentioned his uh, ability and coverage, or his numbers in coverage anyway. Terrific in pursuit, great in space, covers a lot of area. Also shows some force up the field on the blitz. I cannot see why more people are not talking about this guy as a draftable prospect moving forward. EJ Brown is a guy doesn't have uh, big production numbers, but he stands out on film. I mean, he is a, he is a big time guy. He's got good size. He is a forceful safety. I have him right now, just outside of draftable range. I think he's got an upside and really if he continues to develop, he could slide into the late rounds. Tyrone Hill, he's got average size. He's got average speed, but he's a real good player. Uh, the other the other one the guy to watch is Kevin Marks, the uh, running back, who we spoke about last year on the show, has basically played second fill at, at Buffalo to Jarrett Patterson, the record-breaking running back who was not drafted last year. Marks is a bigger run, running back. He's stouter at the point, doesn't have great speed like Patterson didn't have great speed, but he's stronger on the inside. He's a guy who can pick up yardage off initial contact, break tackles. He's a good short yardage runner. He's okay around tackle, not really quick. There were some scouts that have uh, marks graded uh, as early as the late fifth round. I have him more as a free agent because he's been very spotty with his production because Buffalo didn't need him to do it. They had Jared Patterson there. If he has a big season, if he meets expectations, if he proves to be able to handle the feature back duties at Buffalo and turns in a productive year, I could see marks sliding into the late rounds of seventh round if he has good workouts prior to the draft. Now head a bit west to Central Michigan. Six draft picks the past decade for the Chippewas. One of them was top overall pick Eric Fisher back in 2013. One was a second rounder in Sean Murphy bunting the corner back in 2019. But two straight dry years at Central Michigan. That could change in 2022 or maybe in 2023, however. Because the junior safety Willie Reed, 35 tackles, three interceptions in just six games last year. Nice size, obviously good ball production probably one of the top overall prospects in the Mac. Speaking of top underclassmen prospects in the conference, junior defensive end Laquan Johnson, 13 tackles for loss and six sacks as a true freshman hurt his knee in the opener last season against Ohio missed the rest of the shortened season as well as spring practice, but he is expected back for summer work and the 2021 campaign. He's an explosive athletic rusher who could rise up boards with a healthy return to the field. Tony talk to us about Reed and Johnson and, 
the rest of Central Michigan's prospects. Yeah, Reed is a lot like E.J. Brown of Buffalo in the sense that he's tough to miss uh, when you watch the film because he's got an impressive physique. He makes plays. He's more productive, obviously, than Brown. Makes plays against the run, solid against the pass. Not a real rangy type of safety, more of your zone type safety or, or a guy that is going to be a strong safety type plays downhill. But he's smart. He's tough relatively athletic and he makes a lot of plays on the ball against the pass and the run. Laquan Johnson, I've gave him a, a late sixth, early seventh round grade. That's based off of what I saw in 2019 before the injury. He's an explosive pass rusher. Two other guys to keep an eye on that scouts like scouts have him as uh, late round picks. I have him as undrafted Troy Brown, an explosive linebacker for central Michigan. Who's also used as a pass rusher, but he's 5'11", 203 pounds, and he runs in the four sevens. I have him as an undrafted safety, a guy who, if he's drafted, you're looking at him as a more of a core special teams player. And then their offensive tackle, Bernard Raymond, terrific length, six foot five, 290 pounds, more of a plodding, heavy-footed guy. Some scouts feel he can slide into the late rounds. I think he's more of a undrafted free agent that's got to fill out his 290-pound frame and learn to be a right tackle in the NFL. Staying in the state of Michigan, but moving towards Eastern Michigan, three wins and three losses last season for the Eagles. Also three draft picks the past decade, the most recent being Max Crosby in 2019. This year, though, no prospects even pushing priority undrafted free agent status. Although linebacker Terry Myrick was the team leader in tackles last season. He's another guy taking advantage of the extra season, can make plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. But in the end, he sized more like a safety than guard City Sow a guy who showed talent early in his career. We've actually been talking about him on these shows for a couple of years now. We did say last year that he needed to improve and get better and show some development in order to become a draftable prospect. Really hasn't done that. And he hasn't done that really over the past two seasons. He is a powerful blocker though, but really, I mean, this is, you know, it, it's his time right now. He has to show something in 2021. If he has any hope of being drafted, it's going to be his third year at left guard after kicking inside from left tackle. So really the time is now city Sow. What's your take on Eastern Michigan this season, Tony? The thing with City Sow is he hasn't gotten better. He's gotten bigger. And I don't mean bigger in a good sense. I mean, he's actually gotten wider. He looks more heavy-footed. When I watched him early in his career, he looked like a quick-footed left tackle who could be used in his own blocking system. I watched him last year. I watched him the past two years. And I've seen a guy that just gets sloppier and sloppier, struggles getting out to the second level, struggles to adjust. He looks just like a big body prospect right now. And really his game has leveled off and even regressed the past couple of years. Terry Myrick is a guy who, you know, like some of the other players we talked about from Ball State, real good football player, but just not a great athlete. Six foot, 222 pounds, runs in the high four sevens, plays a little bit faster. You know, one of those guys who not going to get drafted, but could be signed as a, a undrafted free agent, maybe make it as an eighth linebacker, special teams player. They've got two guys to keep an eye on. Tight end Thomas Odekoya, 6'5", 260 pounds, more of a blocker, likely a priority free agent. A lot of scouts like Jose Ramirez, their defensive end, an undersized defensive end who's probably going to move to outside linebacker, 6'1 and a half, 240 pounds, gets a lot of pressure up the field, but is really more of a situational guy that, that, cannot really play in space and doesn't have next level speed for in pursuit. Now our next team on the list here is Kent state. No players drafted since 2014, but they did win a bowl game in 2019 only played four out of their six scheduled games last year though. And that 2019 bowl win actually coincided with Dustin crumb 
taking over under center for the Golden Flashes. 32 touchdowns and four interceptions in 17 games the past two years, completing over 70% of his passes. And now those numbers are inflated because a lack of downfield attempts in this offense, lots of screens, lots of short passes. You know, he runs the offense very well, but he also lacks the arm to push the ball downfield, fits the offense well, does a good job with what he's asked to do. But if they need him to air it out, that's not his specialty. And and really that's going to hold him back as an NFL prospect. Does have some decent rushing production though, but not a player that scouts you as a draftable prospect. Why is that, Tony? Well, because of exactly what you said. I mean, people look at him and the production numbers are off the charts. And I know he gets a lot of love in the internet world, but you talk to scouts and he's a product of the system. As you said, a lot of receiver screens, can't throw the ball downfield. When he's throwing the ball downfield, even the slower receivers have to wait for the ball to arrive. He can't drive his deep passes. You know, as far as the production now uh, with his legs, he's not a true RPO quarterback. He's more of a pocket passer who takes, who takes snaps out of the shotgun. A very productive college quarterback. I don't want to take that away from him. Just does not project all that well to the next level. I've talked to scouts. I mean, the most I've heard from scouts is maybe he's a late seventh round pick. Most of the scouts I talked to said he's in priority free agent at best. And that's where I have him graded. You know, again, a good college quarterback who just does not project well to the next level. Now, Miami of Ohio, just three games played last season, had to cancel three others due to COVID-19. They had players drafted in consecutive years for the first time since 2012 and 2013. Probably not going to make it three in a row, though, in 2022. Although safety Sterling Weatherford is a guy who may have a shot. One of the team's top tacklers the last couple of seasons also makes plays on the ball as well as behind the line of scrimmage. Very good size as well. I mean, arguably too big, some might argue. The team's top tackler, though, linebacker Ryan McWood, similar size to Weatherford. He's all over the field, 133 tackles over the last 16 games. These two really anchor the Red Hawks defense. But, Tony, what about their NFL potential? You know, I like Weatherford as a player. There are some scouts that give him a late fifth-round grade to a seventh-round grade. I drafted him as a priority free agent because, like you said, he's too big for safety. Size aside, He's not an explosive guy. He doesn't have great speed. I could see uh, a team drafting him as an outside linebacker. I could see Weatherford showing up at a combine or a pro day workout at 220, 225 pounds, about seven pounds heavier than he weighs now. And then a team takes him and moves him to linebacker because he is great making plays up the field. He's smart as hell. He's very instinctive and he's tough, but he, you know, he's sort of a tweener between linebacker and a traditional strong safety. If he gets up to the 225 level and he runs what he's capable of running in the four sixes, I could see a team grabbing him in the late rounds and using him as an outside linebacker, special teams player. McWood, as you said, I mean, 6'1", 220, 225 pounds, runs in the 4'7", uh, mid to high 4'7s, a real good college prospect who just does not project well to the next level. Two other guys that you got to keep an eye on. Personally, I have a crush on Jack Sorensen, their receiver, you know, not the fastest guy in the world, but very quick, gets separation through his routes, catches everything that's thrown in his direction, a little bit smaller at 5'11", under 200 pounds, probably he's going to time in the uh, four five fives, but he just finds a way to catch everything and just finds a way to make plays. Cedric Boswell, their cornerback, 5'10 and a half, 190 pounds. He's got a bit of upside. He's someone who right now you're looking at fringe priority free agent, but if he has a good season, 
then tests well next March, could find himself in the late part of the draft. Now, two years after winning eight games in two straight seasons, Northern Illinois was winless in 2020. They did have players drafted on day two in 2017 and 2019. It's unlikely to happen in 2022, but they do have an intriguing junior at left tackle, Marquez Cox. He has all the physical traits to stay on the blind side long-term, just needs to continue the upward trajectory that he's seen the past couple seasons to be a solid third-day pick. Linebacker Kyle Pugh, back for his sixth season, after an injury ended his 2019, he got a medical redshirt, and then he took the extra year from the NCAA as well. He lacks size, but solid in pursuit, can make plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. Running back Aaron Collins was in a committee with rising sophomore Harrison Whaley in 2021, did score four touchdowns in six games, though, on just 50 carries, runs hard, but also just two receptions in 2020. Tony, does the intrigue here mostly end with Cox for you? Not really. I I mean, I'll talk about Cox in a second, but you mentioned Kyle Pugh, who prior to the 2019 season was actually highly rated by scouts, has had a lot of injury issues in the past, was okay last year. I think he did the right thing coming back uh, for another senior season. And the other guy, as far as intrigue to keep an eye on, is Rocky Lombardi, who transferred to Northern Illinois from Michigan State, 6'4", 230 pounds. He's got a big-time arm. He's got all the physical skills to play at the next level. He's just got to learn to be a passer rather than a thrower. As far as Cox is concerned, a real good-looking left tackle prospect. He's long. He's lean. He's got good footwork off the edge, outstanding in pass protection, shows the ability to get out to the second level and block in motion. He's got to get a little stronger. He's got to fill out that frame a bit and keep his quick footwork off the edge. He's got to learn to finish blocks but I like his upside and going into his junior season, I already have Cox graded as a fifth round pick. Now Toledo is arguably the max top program. Hasn't finished below 500 since 2009. And they had six players drafted from 2017 through 2019, including two second day skill players in Kareem Hunt and Deontay Johnson, both of whom certainly have found success at the NFL level. No draft picks the past two seasons for the Rockets though. And that should change in 2022. But unlike the past couple of years, defense is where you're going to find the Rockets who will be playing on Sundays, starting with defensive end Jamal Hines, a college edge rusher who lacks the size to play on the line in the NFL, but definitely doesn't lack the talent to play at the next level. Would love to see him finish some more sacks, just two last year in six games and six and a half on his career. But he did have four and a half tackles for loss in 2020. Remember, it was a shortened season, so that actually is a pretty good number. Dewan Johnson, similar size, but better production compared to his teammate Hines, uh, two guys off the edge to really consider watching. And then quarterback Sam Womack, probably a bit too small to be a high draft pick, but he can make plays on the ball and against the run, which would serve him well as a sub package corner. Certainly you want your nickel and dime backs playing in the slot to be able to tackle when plays go off tackle. A couple other prospects of note, certainly for Toledo as well. Tony, break down the Rockets for us. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets got a ton of prospects that are either going to be late round picks priority free agents, or undrafted guys. They're going to have a lot of guys in camp next summer. (laughs) And we're already talking about the the NFL camp of 2022 when the NFL camps of 2021 haven't opened. You know, I agree with you about Hines. Uh, More of a 3-4 outside linebacker who I'm going off the 2019 film because of the lack of production and the lack of play last year by Toledo. But he shows the ability to get up the field. Doesn't have great size. Was graded by some scouts as a uh, street free agent. 
I'm going to keep my six-round grade on him. Same thing with Dewan Johnson. Again, 6'2", 255 pounds. Doesn't have great growth potential, but is a guy with a nonstop motor. I really like Sam Womack. You mentioned the, the lack of height, five, nine and a half. That's going to be an issue, but he's got terrific ball skills. You're looking at a potential late round pick that is a dime back, maybe a nickel back at the next level. He's fast. He's feisty. He's got good ball skills. The problem is at five, nine and a half, he's just losing out consistently to taller receivers, which is a problem. Vitaly German, who comes uh, by way of the PSAC, he was a transfer uh, from, I believe, Bloomsburg, played left tackle for uh, Toledo last year, did a real good job of it. He projects to center at the next level, center or guard. He's one of those guys that came back for uh, another senior season, which I think was uh, was the right thing to do. I don't know if uh, Toledo's going to keep him at left tackle, but he's someone who I think is maybe a shrine game uh, invite, you move him inside to center a guard. Somebody takes a liking to him, could slide into the late rounds. Then they got, you know, players like Tyson Anderson, the uh, safety who's got decent size, decent speed, solid player. You're looking at a, a core special teamer. If he picks up his production, he could end up in the late rounds. David Hood, the defensive tackle, Devon Rogers, the defensive tackle. And they given the defensive lineman. They got a real good defensive line there. I don't think any of those guys are drafted, but they're all uh, – all free agents, Matt Landers, the uh, receiver, 6'4 and a half, 196 pounds, who makes plays on occasion. That's a player that a lot of scouts like. Bryce Harris, uh, who played center uh, the past couple of years, has had some injury issues. He's back. Again, Toledo's got a lot of numbers. Toledo, I think, and Ball State will battle for the MAC title. And I think they'll also battle for uh, the largest number of players that are signed uh, as likely free agents uh, next year. Now, while Toledo and Ball State may battle at the top, a team that probably is not going to be too far behind is Western Michigan, the last team we're going to cover on this show tonight. And the Broncos are another solid program. No losing seasons since 2013. And they've had 11 players drafted this decade, two in both 2018 and 2021. We mentioned Dwayne Eskridge in round two in April, as well as Jalen Moore later on. And this year, the Broncos have another potential second-day pick on offense. And that's junior quarterback Caleb Ellaby. He's the highest graded player in the Mac doesn't have great size, but has a very nice arm, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions in just six games last season. So good production, uh, not much time under center He's you know, mostly an RPO type of quarterback. So maybe that hurts him in the eyes of some scouts, but there's a lot of talent in Ellaby's arm. So he's an intriguing guy to watch continue develop for Western Michigan on the other side of the football defensive end, Ali Fayed returning with his extra year of eligibility as well. 17 tackles, six for loss, four sacks in four games last year. Had a couple of productive seasons prior to that as well. Like many small school edge rushers, a bunch of guys we've talked about on this show already as well, just lacks the size to play on the line at the next level, but definitely can produce both pressure and finish off into sacks. How do you view LB, Fayette, and other Broncos prospects for 2022, Tony? Yeah, there are a lot of scouts out there that like LB. I, I mean, Dwayne Eskridge, a lot of the success he had last year was due to Ellaby. He's a firearm passer who can get the ball downfield with a flick of his wrist. He can drive his deep passes. He can make plays in or out of the pocket. Smaller guy, but like you said, an RPO type of quarterback. He's someone that few outside the scouting community are talking about, but he has got some chatter inside the scouting community. I can tell you that, and I understand it. I mean, with the, with the push towards mobile quarterbacks, even if they're smaller – 
I mean, he's someone that's got a great amount of upside. Fayed is someone who I really liked in 2019, was hot and cold last year. But again, another one of those undersized pass rushers, plays defensive end uh, for Western Michigan, very likely to stand up over tackle uh, in the NFL. I have him graded as a late sixth. There are scouts out there that have late seventh round grades on him. Ralph Holly, six foot one half inch, 275 pounds, plays like his hair is on fire. Your prototypical three technique tackle. Andre Carter, an underclassman, the defensive end, 6'3", 245 pounds. That's what you're getting in the MAC. You're getting these smaller guys who are real good football players. They just don't project all that well to the next level, as I said in the opening. Keep an eye on Jalen Hall. There are some scouts that have a, uh, a late-round grade on him, the receiver Jalen Hall, 6'3 182 pounds, uh, runs and plays in the mid-4-4s. If he has a big year, he could move into the late rounds. That's it for the 196th episode of the Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions, give any feedback you may have as well. We'll keep the conference previews rolling next week with the AAC. But until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.